How you feeling, Luke? Good. Let's go. Come on. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable Word of God. I long for it more than necessary food. I love it, and I'm never offended. I live by it, and I prosper in whatever I do. The word that I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, take your seats today. Glory to God. First Kings 17. Let's go back to the hole. First Kings 17. I'm going to read this for you, this entire section here, verse 8 through 16. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this is Elijah the prophet, saying, Arise, go to where? Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Eat it and die. Boy, her outlook is, is, is bad. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. We know three and a half years. Three and a half years off that little bit of flour and oil. Constant, continuous provision from God. Three and a half years. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the oil, jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Now we're Today we're on part three of this um, mini-series, uh, preparing for a showdown, preparing for a showdown. Now, I want to make sure you and I are not alarmed or distracted by what Satan is doing. Okay, he is working. Tell your neighbor, he is working. He is working. But don't get scared, don't get confused, don't be distracted, don't be alarmed, uh, because the devil's had a vendetta against God and the kingdom of God the people of God, the church of God for a long time, a very long time. How long? Let's go back to Genesis. Turn your Bible to Genesis 3. The devil's had a vendetta against God and his people a long time. In Genesis 3, verse 13 through 16, it says, And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Come on, verse 14. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed 
more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Okay. So from that moment, the devil's had a problem with God and his people. He already had a problem with God. He came to get God's people, Adam and Eve. And God told him that from now on there's going to be an issue between you and people. Y'all got it? Praise the Lord. Tell him you came to church today. I didn't stay home. Praise God. Now, I'm going to show you something here. Go to Isaiah 46, then I'm going to come back. Don't lose Genesis 3. Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. Now, y'all, while y'all turning, I'm going to read it off the screen for sake of time. But y'all will find me reading these words. This is what God says through Isaiah. Y'all got this, everybody? Remember the former things of old. I remember another place it says, don't, don't, don't remember the former things. But here he says, there's some things I want you to remember. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Now look at verse 10, please. Verse 10 says, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, Things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. All right. So God declares the end from the beginning. From the beginning. Now, what's the beginning book? Genesis. Genesis. So he declares the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things that are not yet done. We believe that. All right. Now, let's go back, please, to Genesis 3. Okay? Genesis 3. And we know what happened. God had put Adam and Eve in the garden, told Adam, don't eat of the fruit of the, in the midst of the garden, fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. And uh, I'm not sure if, if Eve didn't get the story straight because when the serpent came, the serpent deceived her, told, us, told her a little lie and uh, got her to agree with the lie. And then uh, she ate of the fruit and gave it to Adam, her husband, right? Adam, the Bible says Adam was not deceived. Bible says Eve was deceived, Adam was not deceived. So all this mess in the world is not Eve's fault, it's Adam's fault. Okay? All right. So it says here uh, in verse, let's see here. What verse did I tell y'all before? In Genesis 3. Okay, 13. I'm going to get right to it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman. Now, the woman is a picture of the church. Many places, and those who've been through my preaching class, I've taught you this here. When you see woman in the scripture, there's a, it's an allegory about the church. Got it? So, the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. So what's happened? The serpent, Satan, 
has deceived the church and the church ate. The church is letting all kind of stuff in because, oh, this will grow your church. And it did. It did grow the church. This will take you all over the world. You'll get a Grammy. And it did. The, the church was deceived and the church ate. So now you have in the church so much demonic uh, force in the church so much what the Bible calls strange fire in the church. And the, it's because the woman, the church, was deceived, has been deceived. In fact, the Bible said, Paul said in the last days, he said men, men would be deceived and they, they deceive others and be deceived. He's talking about the church. So Paul already said it would happen. They, they be deceived and deceive. So the church has been deceived by the serpent, Satan, and has eaten. Got it? Now let's keep going here. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. So that serpent isn't just Satan, it's the world system. Satan's the prince of the power of the air. Satan is the prince of this world, the god of this world. So God says to the world system, remember we just read in Isaiah 4 to 6, he declares things from the beginning. So I want you to see things that are being done now. All right, I'll give y'all a minute. I'll give y'all a minute to catch me. Y'all still trying to. So the church has eaten from the world. Full. And so what God does to that world system is curses it. So this serpent that used to walk, walk erect now is on its belly, Pastor Rashawn. The NFL and the NBA and the NHL and Hollywood is now on its belly having to eat dust. Are, are y'all seeing this in the scripture? He said, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than all every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life or from now on. It's never going to be what it was again. None of these systems are going to be what they were. What they were. They've been judged. That's what was happened, happened to that serpent. He was judged. And this world system has been judged by God. So now just try to make its way on its belly eating dust. That means the serpent didn't eat dust before. <laughs> yeah, I remember that phrase we said, another one bites the dust. Now watch what he says, verse 15. And I will put enmity between the world system and the church and between what you produce and what she produces. Now understand, please understand, don't all y'all theological people, don't, don't judge me. We're just talking about Jesus. I know that. I know her seed was going to be Jesus. I know that. I'm, I've been doing this 30 plus years. I'm trying to bring you a revelation. A current revelation. 
You know that already. I'm trying to bring you revelation for right now, a rhema word for right now, so you see what's going on, so that you don't let what's going on distract you, so you're not, you're not blind to it. And you don't think we're about to lose. So he said, I put enmity, war, hatred. So it's, it's no wonder, I'll, I'll deal with this later if I have time, that the world is, is right now hating the church and getting the church to hate the church. So he says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now keep going, please, verse 16. Verse 16. To the woman, he said. Now I'm going to show you something. Now Satan, the Bible says, he cursed. Now I want you to make sure you understand this. I don't care what you've been taught. He never cursed the woman. He never cursed the man. He did not. God did not curse the woman, he did not curse the man. He clearly, in verse 15, cursed the serpent. Clearly did it. When you keep going, he gets to Adam, because you know Adam passes the buck too, right? So when he finally gets to Adam, he said, Adam, cursed shall be the ground for your sake. I'm going to curse the ground, but I'm not going to curse you. Whom God has blessed, he will not curse. He had already blessed them in Genesis 1, 26. And 28. He had already blessed them, so he's not going to turn around and curse them. He had already blessed them. So he's not going to reverse the blessing to a curse. Got it? So he did not curse them. He's foretelling what their life is going to be. So here he says, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. Okay? In other words, now you're having a baby, which is supposed to be uh, just pop them out. <laughs> now, now, now I'm gonna I'm gonna cause you to go through a through a pain to do it. Well, that's a curse. This is not a curse. It's called travail. And in a, a, a time like this, the Bible says, "Call for the travailing women." There ought, to be, there ought to be some women prayer meetings going on, Barbara. There ought to be something going on. For the, oh, no, I got to get my hair did. Right now, you ain't got time to be getting your hair did. Throw a wig, throw a ball cap on there or something, but you got to get some face time with God. Now watch church, because this is about the church. Did you catch it? This is about the church. In pain, right now, this is what the church is going through. Thank you, Lord. I can take, I can, I can take you back to the book of Acts. In pain, the church brought forth children. Persecution hit the church in a, in a, in a horrible way, massive way. You read Acts chapter 8, they were being persecuted. That's why the church began to disperse, scatter everywhere. They were being persecuted, pain, but it never stopped the church from growing. In pain, the church was bringing forth children. So 
if you think now is any different, you don't know what's happening. Right now, the church is in the midst of another pain. Oh, I wish I had some believers here this morning. See, and if you look at it like, oh, Lord, the church shut down, we ain't going to make it. No, no, no. The, the true church has not shut down. The fakers shut down on their own. Did you say that? Yes, the fakers shut down on their own. Nobody forced them. Nobody made them. But the true church, church knows you got to go through a little pain to bring forth. So you, if, if, you, if a woman's bringing forth a child, when the pain hits, she don't say, change, I change my mind, I don't want to have no baby. I don't want to pray. That's how it is. I don't change my mind. You, it's, it's too late now. Jesus says, as a matter of fact, she, she happy because she knows. In fact, after she goes through that pain, she celebrates for the joy of the child that was brought forth. So a little pain in the church now will be worth it all when we look at all the children that we begin to produce in the earth. This is a going to be the greatest time of revival the church has ever known. The harvest that will come through this will outmatch all the other harvests combined in history. Because the modern church hadn't gone through her pain. But here we are with another, another, another pregnancy. And another delivery. And God said, back you look at the book of Isaiah, he said, I will not bring you to the time of birth and not deliver you. I won't get, oh my God. Oh, Lord, thank you, Holy Ghost. Y'all y'all just, y'all just be, be patient with the Holy Ghost. Be patient with the Holy Ghost. Isaiah and chapter 66. Y'all ready, church? Verse 7, I'm going to start there. Before the church was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? I just preached this to y'all last year. Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as the church goes into labor, she gives birth or gave birth to her children. Now watch what God says, verse 9, church. Watch this, church. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord, shall I, who cause delivery, shut up the womb? The answer is no. So God has been planning for this time. He didn't bring an epidemic or a pandemic, but he knew there was a time, 2020 is vision manifestation year. So I'm looking for the ones who aren't afraid to go through this little bit of this birth pain being talked about, being persecuted, somebody cussing you out because you're going to church, I want you around me, I want you coming back to my house, I want you calling me because you're going to church, don't you know something wrong with you? No, something wrong with you. I've come to the time of birth. I've come to the time of delivery.
every, and I can't turn back now. There are children to be born. There's a soul to be saved. There's a harvest. Tell your neighbor there's a harvest to bring in. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, nobody want to go through any labor. The, the laborers are few. So he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. My God, my, my God. That he sends laborers. He didn't call for singers, and he said, call for laborers. Those who are willing to labor. Labor is never easy, labor is painful. Labor is gonna cost you something, labor is gonna make you sweat, labor is gonna make you, come on now. But he said, I won't, I won't bring you this far to leave you. I'm going to cause you to bring forth. All right, now go back to Genesis 3. This is good to me. I might order this CD myself. Y'all still got cassettes? Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Let them sin for the laborers. You ever seen that? You ever, I never saw that in my, in my life. Let them sin for the laborers. Somebody been praying today. <laughs> I know I've been praying. Now, so he says in Genesis 3, verse 16, in our great multiply your sorrow and your conception and pain, you shall bring forth your children. Bring forth children. He says, now watch this last part. Watch this last part. Watch this last part. Woman, church. Remember, he's speaking the end from the beginning. Your desire shall be for your husband. Now, what has gone on in the church for many years is the church's desire has not been for her husband, Jesus. The church has desired... Their, their fame and their fortune and their big building. And nothing wrong with a big building, but the church has desired their, their, no, no, their, their fame and their, their, you know, being well known and I can travel everywhere and do all that. The church, no, he said, no, no, this woman, your desire shall be. He didn't say it is, he said, shall be. So in this end time, we will see a revival in the church. Not just a harvest of the sinners, but a revival in the church where men's hearts turn back, people's hearts turn back. The church makes Jesus Christ our priority once again. It ain't about us, it's about Jesus. It ain't about you, it's about Jesus. It ain't about our, our thing, it's about Jesus. Our desire shall be for our husband. And then we see the rapture. Then we see this, 
the closing. We see the second coming. He said, and he shall rule over you. So he's, he's going to be our Lord again. And he's going to reign again. It's going to be about Jesus again in the church. Now I know this, some of y'all may be like, what Pastor talking about? Because see, you used to this church. <laughs> I'm just telling you what your problem is right now. This don't mean anything to you because you're used to this church. You're used to this church where he already been ruling. Our desire already been for him. We've already been honoring him. This is how we've always done it. But in the mass majority of churches out there in this earth, I'm just, well, just going to say America. This American church, churches ain't desired him. He ain't ruling over them. But this revival is going to turn people's back. Right back to our husband. Are y'all seeing this here? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I didn't mean to get into all that. That's what we said. Return to your first law. I'm in love with Jesus. <laughs> See, we don't, we don't want to sing that, but he's in love with me. See, that's, that's what it's supposed to be now, and not just because it sounds like a good song, but because I mean it. From the bottom of my heart, I'm in love with Jesus. That if everything else failed, it's me and Jesus. If my friends and all my family walked out of me and wouldn't take my calls anymore, I'm in love with Jesus. And he's in love with me. All right, now. Now go back to 1 Kings. I just said all that to get you to understand. Don't trip about what's going on right here. Don't trip if we got to go through a little pain as a church. As the church. Because from that pain, there's going to come children. God showed me years ago children being born. Little, these two little, I told you the vision he gave me about the two little girls with babies born with full teeth and I put them down they start running so when these children are born these last days it ain't gonna take them 20 years to mature they're gonna grow up really fast because they're gonna be born into an environment of Jesus lovers into an environment where we're ruled by Jesus Probably one of the problems that's, that's been in the church for so long, why people take so long to mature, if they ever mature, is because they're around immature people. They go to church with immature people. Pastor immature, first lady immature, choir director immature, musician immature, all the deacons immature, all the trustees immature, the usher board leaders immature, the missionary board leaders, they immature, everybody immature. The youth leaders immature. I'm talking about spiritually. 
Oh, they can be sophisticated, natural. I'm talking about spiritually immature, carnal. But not here. Not in the true church all, all over the world that God is, that God is separating. Now, <laughs> Lord, help me with this here. Now, 1 Kings, I told you 18, there's that showdown here, right? Now, in 17, 1 Kings 18, verse 17, so you see where um, King Ahab blamed Elijah, which represents the prophetic church, for the problems in Israel. And Elijah told him, it's not me, it's you and your people and all y'all idolatry. All y'all idolatry, all y'all sexual immorality. And I, wanna, I know I, I said I wasn't going to deal with this, but just don't forget, idolatry and sexual immorality go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. So when you get people and they're into idol worship, it's never a surprise when they're into sexual immorality. Because they go hand in hand. Even the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, you see where when the, the church council met and they were trying to uh, figure out how do we deal with these Gentiles who are coming in, how do we make this thing easy for them to walk and live for God? And they said, make sure we tell them just this, just don't eat any meat or drink anything off of the idols and stay away from sexual immorality. Then they said, if you do this, you'll do well. If you want to know how to walk and live for God, stay out of idolatry. And stay out of sexual morality. He summed up holy living in these two phrases. Don't worship idols. And don't get into sexual immorality. And yet in the church, you know what you see all, all over the church? Idolatry and sexual morality. All right? But it's, we know it's in the world. We know it's in the earth, right? Now, 1 Kings 17. I told my wife to remind me to go straight to Zarephath. <laughs> she didn't remind me. So it's all her fault we're taking so long. Now, we see that in 17, chapter 17 of 1 Kings, Elijah's first stop was a place called Cherith. Right? Cherith means, I put that on the screen for me again, media. Cherith means to cut, cut off, to cut down, cut off a body part, to cut out, to eliminate, to kill, to cut a covenant. So God told Elijah, go hide in Cherith. In other words, cut yourself off from everything and everybody. Isolate yourself. Those are the words of today. Isolation. Self-isolation. In other words, God had Elijah quarantining himself from all the fear talk because they're in a drought. So get away by, by yourself. Don't listen to them. Get away where you can hear me, and I'm going to take care of you at this brook Cherith. Cherith means to cut off, to cut aside, to uh, cut off body, a body part, to eliminate, to kill, to cut a covenant. So... He's there at the brook, and the Bible says he hides. God told him to hide there. Now, remember what I told you. Ahab blamed 
Elijah for the problems. Elijah goes into hiding by command. And the problems didn't go away. You see? So what the, the world has done is told a church, y'all go into hiding. Because the, the problem must be you. Let everybody go to Walmart, Target, Publix. Let everybody go do that kind of stuff. Let them go to the hospital where everybody's sick. Let them go there. But don't go to church. You don't go to church because if you go to church, see, y'all are a problem. And what happened? Elijah went into hiding, and it went from worse to worse. Y'all ever heard that? It, it went from bad to worse. Because you see here in, in 1 Kings chapter 17, it mentioned a drought, but you go to chapter 18, I think it's around verse 2 or 3, and it said now they're in a severe famine. So Elijah wasn't nowhere around, and the problem still got worse. That means you got to explain to me why a state like New York, I was watching the governor of New York yesterday give his little press conference, and, and he's, he's, why they've been shut down, their, church, their churches have been shut down for several weeks, and their numbers are still skyrocketing. Because it wasn't in the church. The problem wasn't the church. See, they can shut us down, and you know, not us, but shut the church down all around everywhere, but your numbers just keep, they'll keep, keep climbing. See, the only way this drought, which became a famine, was going in was when Elijah came back out. Y'all know the book? Have y'all read the book? It doesn't change till Elijah came back out. So I advise you, government officials, as quickly as you can all over this world, let the church come back out. Don't worry, the ones who scared, they ain't going to come back out anyway. They ain't going to come back out anyway. I'm, not talk I'm talking about the pastors. I'm talking about the people. I'm not talking about the people whatsoever. Because people are going to follow their pastors. So they're not going to come out anyway. So most of your problems you ain't got to worry about. But true churches, you better let them out. Because it's going to go from worse to worser. Tell you, David, it's going to go from worse to worser. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, now. Okay, now. Let's go to 1 Kings 17 and verse 8. Because he's gone through Cherith. He's gone through the cutting, the isolation. And in, in Cherith, he has developed personal faith. He learned God would supply his need. It was just him. Glory to God. That's why, that's why some of you single po uh, people, you want to you master, uh, you want to learn to live by faith when you're single. Before you get married, but definitely before you have children. Because when you have children, now you need faith for everybody. How many of y'all parents know what I'm talking about? You need faith for everybody. Now, you know, you got to believe God for just not your shoes, but their shoes. And they, they, their feet are still growing. And, you know, you follow what I'm saying? 
It's much better when you master this or learn this lifestyle on your own first at Cherith. Before you move to Zarephath. <laughs> okay? So he's, he's learned divine supply one-on-one. But now God moves him to a place. The Bible says in verse 8, the Lord, word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow woman, a widow there to provide for you. Okay? So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called and said, said to her, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. Now, how many of y'all know this story? Anybody unfamiliar with the story at all? All right. Okay. And this, uh, just, let me just sum it up. He goes to Zarephath by the leading of the Lord. This widow's there with her son. And they're going to, the famine, the, the, the drought is bad. So all she has is a little bit of jar of, a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. And her plan is to eat one last meal. She and her son, they're going to eat it and die. But the Lord had sent Elijah to her. When you read here, uh, God says, uh, she's going to take care of you. But you read in the, in the book of Luke, Jesus says that no one uh, was Elijah sent to except her. So in reality, although she was going to take care of him, he was going to take care of her. Because he wasn't going to benefit from her little meal as much as she was going to benefit from his prophetic presence. You got it? Okay, so that's the story in a nutshell. So I want to deal with Zarephath for a moment. Zarephath. The word Zarephath comes from the Hebrew word Zarephath, which means refinery. Comes from another word, which almost spelled the same way as Zarephath, which means refinement. So Cherith was cutting. Isolation, it was cutting away, killing things off separation from things, but uh, like, it, for example, when I said that, the image just came to my, my mind of uh, diamonds in a mine, or oil in, in the ground, or uh, wheat in a field, or sugar cane. They have to, we, we've been to Miami a couple of times here in the last, well, a few times in the last year. And every time we went, we passed through all them, them sugar cane fields down there. What's, what's the area down there? Uh, Bell Glaze all down there, all sugar cane fields. Well, there's a lot of sugar cane out there. And uh, just, I mean, miles, you just look for miles of sugar cane. And they have to first cut it. Cut it off. But from the cutting off, you're not ready to eat it. Most people don't go around eating sugar cane. I said most people... Don't go around eating sugar cane. Now, I know I got some of y'all old schoolers. Well, you had a friend come up from Homestead, come up from Bell Glaze, come up from all them places, and they'll bring you a cane of sugar cane, and you cut you off a little, little section, and you were sitting there in front of TV, chewing on sugar cane. It might have been sweet, but it wasn't neat. Uh-oh. My belt. Hold on, my belt just popped open. I got, I got it. All right. So, uh, I, you know, I tried it. That just seemed too country for me. 
So just cutting it is not, doesn't make it ready, mean it's ready to put on your cereal. Or in some of y'all grits and whatever y'all do. It, when, they, when they extract crude oil out of the ground, it's not ready to go in your car. Or put in your hair. It must go through a refinement process. A refinery. Because you don't want crude oil in your hair. Most people, you, 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 well, we've, we've been so used to refined sugar, you wouldn't, wouldn't even like raw sugar. It's, it's good if you get used to it. But you wouldn't, most people, is, you understand? We're used to refined things. Zarephath means to refine. So although Elijah had been through this cutting, before he could be ready for the showdown, he had to go through a refining. So you and I, many of us, many of us, many of us, have already been cut. I told you it was Wednesday night. My wife and I, we cut ourselves off years ago. Years ago, we, we didn't need anybody to tell us to isolate ourselves. We didn't need anybody to tell us to social distance. We social distanced a long time ago. We cut off the world, cut off evil, cut off all the foolishness, cut off all the entertainment. We did all... I thought, isn't it, isn't it interesting the Lord uh, made us fast at the beginning of this year? Yes. Now, y'all know we don't usually fast at the beginning of the year. But then she said fast, 21 days, beginning of this year. We, 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 we couldn't do it later. We had to do it right now, beginning of this year, and, and read Revelation. The Lord, the Lord was setting us up. So this refined means, the word refined means, from the dictionary, just the regular dictionary you got, to free implied something such as a metal, sugar, or oil from impurities and unwanted material. Now God told Elijah, go to Zarephath. The Holy Ghost told Jesus go into the wilderness. Even though he was God's own son, even though the Holy Ghost had come upon him in the form of a dove, even though he was filled with the Holy Ghost at, at the baptism, the Holy Ghost still led him into the wilderness to be tempted, to be purified, to be tested, to be tried for 40 days. Cut off and refined. Cut off and refined. So you and I, Though we may, many of us have cut ourselves off from that stuff, right now is a refining process. You better hear me. It means, again, to free something as, such as metal, sugar, or oil from impurities or unwanted material. How many of y'all will admit that there were some things, maybe for most of us before we fasted, there was some unwanted material Tell the truth. There are some impurities still lurking on the inside of there. That's what the Bible says. Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Doesn't your Bible say that? 
Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh. I think that's 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Cleanse yourself from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. So we get rid of things in our flesh, but there are things that are in our spirit we got to get rid of. In our soul, man, we got to get rid of. So we got to purify. Then he says, it says, uh, not he says, this is the dictionary definition, to free from moral, this is in the dictionary, to free from moral imperfection. Do y'all see that? Yeah, it's, yeah, something, something missing from, the, from uh, my notes up there. But I got the perfect notes here. <laughs> to free from imperfection or to elevate. Okay, some, some, some got cut off in that word. I don't know whoever did that. I didn't, it wasn't me. <laughs> to free from moral imperfection, elevate. Elevate. Now, what does elevate mean? Go up. Y'all didn't catch that. Right now, this refinement process is to elevate you. And you're only elevated when you're freed from moral imperfections. Thank you, Lord. So that's, 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 why, that's why when you fast, you come out higher. Because you shut off all the immoral stuff. Well, I don't do no immoral stuff. I ain't, I ain't sleeping around. Yeah, but all the TV you was watching, every commercial, every, every, even the little cartoons that come on, they had all kind of immoral stuff that it was feeding into your mind, whether you wanted it or not. Whether you wanted to or not. You, you just sit there trying to watch a football game or a baseball game, and all of a sudden, here comes some scantily clad girl on the middle of your screen. They got a whole team of them to buy go Cowboys and go Bucks and watching the NBA and they more scantily clad in the NBA than the NFL. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all, y'all guys like, all y'all guys, y'all ain't saying nothing, but I'm telling you the truth. All you're trying to do is just watch a little basketball game. Here come all the dancing girls. And in your mind, tell the truth, in your mind, well, ain't nothing to watch now. <laughs> watch this next part. I hope we got this right. To improve or perfect or perfect by pruning or polishing. So metal, you can polish metal. Gemstones. They can extract them from the ground, but they go, they, that, that's a raw stone that you can't do anything with. I got a whole bag full of raw stones in my house from Africa. A whole bag. They ain't worth anything. You know why? They hadn't been refined yet. If they were refined, they'd be worth thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> right now, they're useless. See, until you get the impurities out. You know they say diamonds are a girl's best friend? Okay, you know they say diamonds are a girl's best friend? Now, how many of all girls will say, yeah, but not just any old diamond? 
Thank you. I'll come over here. Not just any old diamond. Got all kind of inclusions in it. Let me see your ring. Oh, no. Oh, no. Here you go. No, let me look at it. Oh, no. Here you go. All them inclusions in that thing. What's that little spot in there? That's, oh. Okay. Cloudy. White diamond. That mess cloudy. There ain't no white diamond. That's cloudy. Come on now. But even if you get a diamond that is perfectly clear, no inclusions in it, no powder, no, nothing in it whatsoever, until it is cut and polished, the polishing brings out the brilliance of it. Some of you right now, you have rings, diamonds or, or gold or whatever you, whatever you have. And you know you wash, wash your hands. You got soap and scum and bent over for years. Every once in a while, you got to take it somewhere or buy something and polish it, clean it. Because when you do that, you bring the brilliance of it back out. God is ready to bring the brilliance back out of the church to get all the cloudiness and all the impurities out of the church. So we, we are being right now polished. So we can shine more brightly than we ever have. Are y'all hearing this here? Notice this last part here. To free from what is coarse, vulgar, or uncouth. Uncouth. Y'all know that word uncouth. That uncouth is unpolished. It's unrefined. It's just no, no tact. No. Listen, ladies, no guy wants to. No, I'm not going to say that. No, I'm, I'm talking about the church. Y'all, y'all, y'all gonna get, get me off task. I ain't gonna get off. Them. I'm gonna get on. Well, let me just say it because somebody said said. No guy wants some coarse, vulgar, or uncouth woman. Always the loudest thing on the street. Hey! Or vulgar, or uncouth. Go to a restaurant, you sitting there cutting your nails at the, at the table and clipping your toenails. There ain't no guy, I don't want to go with you. What you, what you talking about, girl? Go, give me Ephesians, uh, media, give me Ephesians 5. Give me Ephesians 5, 25 to 27 real quick. Come on, come on. I got 16 minutes. Ephesians 5, 20, uh, 25 through 27. This is what Jesus Christ came to do for us. Yes, sir. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. All right? I want you to see this. This is the last days and what he's doing. He's, he's, he's coming soon, but not right away. Some things got to be set in order here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 26, please. That he might sanctify and cleanse her. This is the refining process here. With the washing of water by the word. So the word is going to do this, right? Verse 27, watch this, here it is. That he might present her to himself. 
This is, this is why he hadn't come back yet. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot, no inclusions, or wrinkle, or any such thing. So God doesn't want any such thing, any kind of impurities in the church. That's why I'm excited about this time. Because he's washing this church out, cleaning the church out. But that she should, that we should, be holy and without blemish. You want diamonds without blemish. You want, uh, every, you want everything without blemishes. Come on now. That's why y'all wear makeup. I'm just saying, that's what I'm just saying. Ain't nothing mad. You, you ain't no Jezebel. You're not a Jezebel because you wear no makeup. I'm just saying, that's why you wear it, because of blemishes. If you, if you, if you had perfect blemish-free skin, you'd be like. But because you don't, you got to put on a little foundation, a little smoother. I ain't gonna lie. I got I got one of these. My you know my son, one of these new new age man. You know my son puts not not makeup. Don't, don't say it. cleanser, cleanses skin to make try to get rid of blemishes. And I so my wife got me done every once in a while. Well, you need to wash with little this little what's that little stuff you got me trying to do? And I and I always forget exfoliation and all that kind of stuff. And, Oscar, can you imagine that? Exfoliation, we exfoliate our skin. Trying to get it right. Chris, come on. I'm exfoliating. Could you imagine, D, you call me, and I said, D, I'm, hey, I'm exfoliating right now. Let me get back to you. Like, God, what happened to our pastor? All right, now, so go put the, that definition, please, of, of, uh, of uh, refine back up, please. I do. I, every once in a while, I got to do a little scrub. I don't enjoy it. I do it. I want my wife to be happy. You respect that? So, no, again here, notice this part, to free from moral imperfection. Now listen to me very careful on this here. Listen to me as a, as a church and as a people of God because we're under attack and the showdown is coming. Apostle Derber prophesied it years ago. He shared it with us several times. There's a showdown coming between the true prophetic church and Satan's kingdom. And by default, the fake church... It says here, part of what refining is, means, it's to free from moral imperfection. 
Now listen to me very carefully. Before you go into a showdown, you must get free from all spiritual junk. You've got to get rid of all your spiritual junk, all the moral imperfections. You know, I don't know who you were talking about the other day. Oh, talked about the upcoming mayor's race in St. Petersburg is going to happen here in a couple of years. There's different people who are going to be running. And I thought, boy, I said, man, there's one guy I was talking about running. I'm like, man, I hate that for his family because they're going to drag his family through the mud. Deacon Gershon's been through before, running for office. And man, they, they're going to dig into everything. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna search through your garbage can. They're going to search through your, inter, your Facebook files for the last 13 years. They, they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're trying to, everybody, your opponent. <laughs> and depending on what side you're on, the media is going to try to expose all your junk. So if you and I are planning on being a part of this showdown, I'm planning on being a part of this showdown then you got to make sure you eliminate all your junk. See, because the enemy wants to go, he'd he like nothing more than when you're talking about I'm fighting for Jesus and I'm on the Lord's side to pull out something and say, yeah, but. We got pictures of you. And them. <laughs> right? Are y'all following what I'm saying to you? See, you got to live a clean life before God. I know this is 2020, deep. I know this is 2020. And people don't talk about holiness and sanctification and living right. But I'm old school. I told you about that. I still talk about holiness, sanctification, integrity, walking with God, staying pure, staying clean. See, my dad used to say this. My father was a pastor before he moved to heaven in 1987. He used to say, people are always going to paint your name. He said, but never supply the paint. People will always paint your name. In other words, they're going to always try to smear you. But make sure you don't supply the paint. Don't give them any evil to speak of. Make it where they got to be a lie. You can lie on me and say whatever you want to. Every lie has wings, but every, all the truth has feet. I mean, lies will fly and get there real quick, but it won't stand because it don't have any feet. The truth might take a while to come out, but once it comes out, it's going to stand forever. Are you following me? So you got to make sure in this time, I'm hoping I'm talking to the right people. You have to make sure you are eliminating all manner of spiritual impurity out of your life. God, I'm going to live right. I'm going to live right. If there's anything in my life that I even question, I'm going to stop it. Holiness. Everybody say holiness. Holiness. Come on, say it louder. Holiness. Holiness. See, the old church used to preach holiness or hell. The Bible says without holiness, the Bible says follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So you won't see the Lord without living a holy life. 
But beyond seeing the Lord, you will have no credible witness in this earth without holiness. So what I want to do is make sure that I, first of all, Lord, I, I, I ask you to search me. Try me. See if there be any wicked thing in me. Show me anything that's wrong. I really pray this every night and every day. I absolutely pray this every single night and every day. Lord, if there's anything in me that's not like you, show me. Something I may have been doing, I didn't even realize that that wasn't, wasn't pleasing you. Lord, show me. Because I love you enough to make sure I please you. Regardless of what anybody else says, I want to make sure, Lord, my life is pleasing to you. Because I love you that much. So I'm telling you right now is the time is to search yourself. Say, Lord, search me. Search me, Lord. If there is anything in my heart, anything I'm doing, anything I'm saying, anything I'm thinking that's not lining up with your word, I repent of it right now. I confess my sins to you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And now, God, I turn from those wicked ways and I follow you wholeheartedly. Because when the showdown happens, and the showdown, you don't, it may not be a mass showdown to, to begin with. It might be you one-on-one. I'm telling you, it might be you one-on-one. You got to be ready. And don't give the devil uh, any place, any room to accuse you. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. So we want to make sure you remove any kind of thing in your life. Y'all hear me? I'm passing. I'm not even being funny right now, see? See, y'all looking at me, oh, Lord. Hey, make sure all the uh, skeletons are cleaned out your closet. You clean the closet out. Because if you don't, the devil will shine a bright light in your closet and pull all your stuff out. See, look. He'll make sure Temple, Temple Bay Times gets a hold of it. Y'all didn't say anything. He'll make sure Temple Bay, or he, he ain't got to go through Temple Bay Times now. He'll go through Facebook and just put yourself on Facebook. All your mess will be all on Twitter. It'll be on the gram. So you need to clean out your closet. So my life must be refined. I got time for one, one or two more points. Secondarily, my faith must be refined. My faith must be refined before a showdown. You see, because when... Elijah was there at Cherith. It was just him and God. I'm learning one-on-one, -on -one, me and God. But he had to go to a place now at Zarephath where his faith was, was refined to that he could use faith for somebody else. Where he could help someone else prosper and make it and have the boldness to stand on God's word. It's one thing to have boldness to yourself. You know, God told me something, something, something. But when other people are depending on you, we got mouths to feed and people looking at you. See, I, today when, the, when Pastor Kim called people up for prayer, I almost came myself. I did. I did. I said, I said well, Lord, I just, I'll just pray. You know. Well, what, Pastor, why you almost came? 
Because I don't know if y'all understand the kind of weight that's on me right now. I, I, I hope you all can get a clue as a kind of weight that is on me right now to use my faith for all of you. See, because the devil would like nothing better and a lot of folk in the church would like nothing better than to, than to have somebody in this church come up with a case People, church folk are hoping something happens to us. That's when they'll really be satisfied. When it be on the news that exceeding grace had 35 cases of coronavirus and two people died. They wouldn't be sad, they'd be happy. We told them. Oh, faith preacher. The church. So every day, and especially when we walk into this room, I've got, I'm using my faith for everybody. I am. And that is a lot of weight to carry. But I've been, I've been working out already. When it was just me and my wife using our faith for us, me and my wife using our faith for our children, when we, when we gave up all of our health insurance, when we gave up all of our benefits, we had to start using our faith for toothaches and headaches and backaches and knee aches and, 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 and sciatica and heart palpitations. Prostate attacks. I had to use my faith to be healed without going to a doctor. I had to learn that in Cherith. And I wasn't telling y'all, I was in Cherith. We were in Cherith doing this stuff here. So we had exercised our faith in charity. So now when we're here at Zarephath, we can tell y'all, hey, don't worry about it. Your bin of flour is not going to be used up. God's going to take care of you, and God's going to keep you healthy. He's going to keep you whole. He will not allow the, the righteous to be moved. So your faith, because see, the showdown can't be just me. All y'all. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, all y'all. We're all in this together. So all of us have to go through this refining time where our faith is being tried. Our faith is being tested. Are you going to stand? Can you stand in the fire? Can you stand in the storm? Can you stand in the test? Can you stand being persecuted? Can you stand being ostracized? Uh, can, can you stand your family hanging up on you? Can you stand that? Can you stand the news media and the threats of being arrested? Can you stand that? Not because the police is going to arrest you, because the people keep telling you the police is going to arrest you. It's all your scaredy cat friends telling you the people is going to. The police said, we ain't going to touch you. But because they said. 
there's none but liars. Put up First Peter. I'll wrap it up here. I'm out of time. First Peter 1. We all come back. Oh, y'all coming back this, this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, We're going to go three nights this week. How about that, devil? We're going to come together three nights this week. First Peter 1, 6 through 9. Watch this. Tell your neighbor, your faith must be refined. Peter said, in this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, though now for a little while, this is just a little, oh, can I tell you how the Holy Ghost encouraged me the other day? I was sitting there, and I was bearing all this load, Pauline, and I was just like, oh, man, oh, this, is, this is heavy, this is heavy, and I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm fighting between sadness and crying, and I'm like, and anger, I'm like, oh, all these emotions are hitting me because of what we got to carry here, and the Holy Spirit said, these light afflictions. This is what he spoke to me. I told him, I said, baby, this is what the Holy Ghost told me. These light afflictions, they are but for a moment. They are but for a moment. These light afflictions, they are but for a moment. And they are working for us a far more eternal, exceeding weight of glory. So what we're dealing with, as heavy as it feels to me, God said, it's light. This lightweight stuff here. This light affliction. And he said this, but for a moment. All right, let's finish this here. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved, that's what we're going through, by various trials. Keep going, please. Verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it is what? Tested. Though it is what? Tested. By what? Fire. So gold must be tested by fire. Now, many of you, uh, when you try to, you know, be chunked before your time, we used to buy gold by the, by, the, by the inch. We used to go to the flea market. And back in the day, this is when we were trying to be cool. We buy, you know, 16 inch, 18 inch chain. It wasn't real. And you didn't wear it in the shower. You didn't wear it swimming. You didn't wear it playing football. Didn't wear it playing basketball because you was going to be itching. Am I right, Eris? You're going you're gonna to be itching pretty soon because... It was going to turn green on you, start corroding. Now it looked like gold. It looked like gold. But we got a saying that says, not all that glitters is gold. So it says this gold is tested by fire. Now he's talking about our faith. So if your faith is going to be proven real, see, everybody has been singing and preaching and talking about faith for years. 
even people who ain't said, I'm not, I'm a faith preacher. They've been preaching faith. We've come this far by faith. Leaning on the Lord. But when the fire comes, what happened? I thought, I thought, I, I thought you said. I thought you had said that we, oh, you. Say by fire. I looked it up just for refinement purpose. Say this and I'm done. Silver, to refine silver, the temperature must be 1,450 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, how many of y'all are from Florida? You've been in Florida a, lot, a long time. All right. Here, it averages here around 80-something degrees. When it hits about 90, we complaining. 90, boy, we just, oh, Lord. But to be purified, silver must go through, go to 1,450 degrees Fahrenheit. Gold is refined at 1,947 degrees, 0.52 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. That's hot. But it's at that point that the gold begins to melt. And as it melts, they are able to separate the impurities or the other metals. See, because the gold that you have on your finger, your hand, your, it's, not, it's not all gold, it's not 24 karat gold. It's alloy. What you have on your, your, your fingers, because 24 karat gold will be too soft to you to wear. Be too soft. So they have to add it, add other metals to it so you, it can form a band or form a, 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 a link or whatever it is. So if you were to go sell your gold in the pawn shop or go sell your gold to the gold shop, you're going to say, man, this is like 30 ounces of gold. They say, they ain't no 30 ounces of gold. We're going to burn it and we'll tell you it's probably, because they'll look at it, 24 karat, 18 karat, going to tell you about how much metal they have in it. You follow me? So they got to melt it down and find out What's really in it? It's got to go through a fire to find out what's really in it. The Bible says, every man will speak of his own way, but a faithful man who can find. In other words, when that man goes through the real test, then you'll find out what he's full of. He may have been saying he was full of faith, but you find out he was just full of safety and a paycheck, safety and a this, safety and a this. But when the fire hits, see, and this is what Elijah was, had to go through because he was about to face the worst fire of his life. You come back next week, I'll get to chapter 18. Because that's when a showdown happens. There's a few things I still want to show you in chapter 17 about Zarephath that uh, I think would be a blessing to you. Um, because you're going to have to go through some things. Can I, can I just, can I, bar, 
Can I have three more minutes? Somebody said, bring it on. Okay, 1 Kings 17. Can I show you 17? Now, y'all know the story about how she was taken care of, right? First thing the prophetic voice did was, was ask her to, uh, for some water. No problem, I can do the water. Then the prophetic voice challenged her to bring me some bread. She said, hey, I can't do that. All I have is this. And so the prophetic voice gave her the comfort. No, if you, if you take care of me first, then what's going to happen is God's going to take care of you. You'll never, never run out. Right? I don't need to preach that. Y'all know that. Right? Okay, look at verse 17. It happened after these things, after she'd been supplied all this time, that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. So what the woman had produced died. What the woman, the woman, remember what I told you earlier, what the woman had produced died. He was so, the sickness was so serious that there was no breath left to him. So what the woman did was call for the prophetic voice again. She said, what am I to do with you, a man of God? Have you come to, to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, give me your son. Are y'all ready for this? Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying. Now, laid him on his bed. Now, in Acts 1, it said that the disciples with another hundred or so got together. It says in the upper room where they were staying. It was in that upper room where they were staying where the Holy Ghost came where a power hit and the church was born. So we're seeing here a preview of that. That when this woman's son died, the prophet took him into the upper room where he was staying because it's always when you go to the upper room, that place of isolation, that place of your cutoff, that place of your connection with God, it's that place where revival comes. So on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all accord, all in one accord in one place. Where? In the upper room. And there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And, the, and the, a cloven tongue sat upon each and every one of them. And they all began to speak with other tongues as, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So something happened there. And so here in 1 Kings 17, 19, he said, give me your son. He took him to the upper room. He cried to the Lord, verse 20. O Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow who, with whom I lodged by killing her son? No, the answer is no. And he stretched himself out on the child. How many times? How many times? Three times. And cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. So it's in the upper room that the son revived. Once he was revived, he could go back down to the place where he was. So what, watch what God will do in his last days. 
and when I say these last days, I don't mean Jesus Christ about to come tomorrow. I'm talking about in this time we're living in, he's calling the church back to the upper room. Oh, man, I wish I had some saints in here. He's calling the church back. He's calling the church to go back to that place where you meet God. That place where the power of God flows. That place where the presence of God manifests. Not the place down here where you're just among the natural and everything else. No, go back to that upper, upper room place where God's presence is able to move in a mighty way. It's there that the church will be revived. Now listen to me very carefully. In Acts 1, where they were in the upper room, the Bible says Jesus appeared to more than 500 people. They were all invited to the upper room, but only 120 bothered to show up. Only 120 bothered to lock themselves away for 10 days. More than 500 were invited. Less than half. Much less than half. <laughs> That's less than a quarter. So I'm not expecting everybody to go to the upper room. But those who do are going to experience a last day's encounter, a revival from the presence of the Holy Ghost. That's what Acts 3 talks about. Times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And when those times come, it's going to be just like it was the day of Pentecost. Because what happened? When they came down from the upper room, there were people gathered all around. Y'all remember the story? Acts 2? The, it was, the, the noise went out? And people were gathered all around, from, all around Jerusalem? And they heard the noise? And they heard these people praising and worshiping God. And they said, what is this? They said, we're not drunk like you suppose. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that day, 3,000 got saved. So when the true church retreats to the upper room, and has a time alone with God. When we come down, full of the Holy Ghost, watch a mighty outbreak happen in this earth that's going to bring thousands and thousands and thousands into the kingdom of God. This is the revival that's going to hit the church. We've been praying for it. Maybe we weren't. I said, we've been praying for it. We've been asking God, send revival. Well, here it comes. Expect revival to hit the church. Expect the greatest harvest the church has ever seen. Because that's what God is bringing about for his people in these last days. And those of you who have taken the time to go through the isolation and to go through the refinement, you are ready for the showdown. And from the showdown, 
there's going to come a mighty revival that hits the earth. And I'm so glad that we get to be a part of it. Are you? If you're happy about it, why don't you get on your feet and just give God a big praise. Clap your hands and thank him for this word today. Thank you. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Do you realize that what we've been praying for is about to happen? Do you realize what we've been seeking God for for years? It's upon us right now. It's here. Now, if you're an intercessor of, of, any, of any worth, you are like tingling right now because, Lord, this is what we've been praying for. This is what we've been looking for. And you can't let the devil's distraction pull your eyes off what God is doing. Even in your daily life, as you go out in the community, you will encounter people who are hopeless and they're afraid and they're, 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 they're looking for something. And you are the answer. You are the answer. The Bible says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that wins souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Proverbs 11 verse 30, I believe this is, that is. You... You that, he that wins souls is wise. So God's going to give you wisdom on how to win souls. Then you can get them saved. You win their soul. You, you, you bring them comfort. You bring them peace. You settle them down somehow. Bring them some hope. You win their soul. And now they're open for you to minister Jesus to them. Your fruit is a tree of life. You and I are the answer for the world. You mean me? Yes. Jesus is on the inside of you. He's the answer, but he's working and talking through you. You got it? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, our Father, today, we're, we're so thankful for this hour and this time. And God, it may feel like heavy weight, it may feel like a tribulation to our soul, to our souls, Lord, but we know that, Father, that what we're going through is light, it's momentary, and it's working for us a far eternal, exceeding weight of glory. 
We know that, Father, even your word tells us that tribulation works patience. And patience works experience. And experience works hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because your love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And I'm asking you today, Lord, today, to strengthen every one of these, my brothers and sisters, every one of these, your people, Father. Not only those that are here, but those who are, who are uh, at home, those who are watching online, those who are all over the, the earth, who are sensing, sensing a move of the Holy Ghost. God, I pray even that, God, you help the body of Christ to be sensitive right now in this time to shut off what the world is saying, shut off what they're seeing, shut off what they've been hearing, and, and let our spirits be sensitive to what you're saying and doing in the earth right now. Father, you're, you're about to make a move. <laughs> oh, I just see it like a chess game. That, Lord, when the enemy think, thinks that he has checkmate against the church, the king has one more move. And God, in one move, you can turn around the whole game. In one move, you can turn around the whole earth. In one move, you can turn this whole situation around. So thank you, you are king, you have one move. And God, we are part of that move. We want you to move in the earth. God, as intercessors, we are thankful that what we've been praying for for years, some intercessors have been praying for decades, for this very moment. So we don't take it lightly, Lord, what you're doing in this earth right now. We don't take it lightly, Father, that you have a plan that you are bringing to pass. You said your counsel shall stand. The plans of your heart to generations, God, calls your plans to come about in the earth. And Lord, I pray that you strengthen every warrior, strengthen every soldier who will stand on the battlefield for you and stand in the face of all kind of adversity and affliction, all kind of persecution that we must deal with. We even pray, Lord, today, Lord, uh, we speak from our mouths. We bless those who persecute us. We bless those who persecute us. Even those who speak all manner of evil against us, we speak blessing upon them. Bless them. Deliver them from their fears. Deliver them from that, from that terror. Deliver their, them, Lord, from that torment. So they can sleep at night. So they can rest during the day. So they can go out without being bound. And we pray, Father, that in this hour, you, you'd bring forth every plan that you've ever had for this hour. And we look forward to being a part of it. We are volunteers. We are willing in the day of your power. So use us and rule in the midst of your enemies, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. And amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God a praise today in this place. Hallelujah.